Okay, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Achodesh Tov. Let's learn some Torah. So we are, fifth Aliyah is describing the covenant that God makes between man, humanity, and him after the flood. So let's learn it inside. Let's learn it today. So we learned yesterday that after Noah came out of the ark, he made an altar and he understood on his own intuitively that Hashem told him to bring seven of the kosher animals instead of just two. It was because Hashem wanted him to bring offerings. And so he brings the offerings to Hashem. And Hashem smells with pleasing fragrance. And he says, I approve uh, of fill the world. You have control over all the animals on your hand. You fill the world, etc. As I told you yesterday, Noah didn't really want to have more children. In fact, he felt very discouraged, even though he brought offerings to Hashem, because he had seen how destroyed the world had become. When he went into the ark, it was a beautiful world. It was a rich, strong, beautiful, luscious world. Now it was a barren wasteland. So even though God is telling Noah, be fruitful, have children, plant, and how you'll be in charge of the animals, he's not interested. So Hashem says to Noah, or Elohim says to Noah, I am going to make a covenant with you. What is going to be my covenant with you and all of your children, all of your descendants after you, that I will never once again destroy the world. And what will be the sign of this covenant that I'm making with you and all of the, the fish and the livestock and the beasts of the earth that will never bring a flood to destroy the entire earth? My sign, the sign of the bris of the covenant will be the rainbow. The rainbow. And when you see the rainbow in the sky, this will be a reminder to you of the vow that I have made never to destroy the world again. This is a very, very important concept that some people unfortunately don't know. They think a rainbow is a beautiful thing, and it is a beautiful thing. But actually, a rainbow is a reminder of God's covenant to us not to destroy the world. That's why God made the rainbow. The discussion of the rainbow existed before the flood, and not as a discussion amongst the commentaries, not for now. But the point of the rainbow is to remind us that God says, really, I'm getting upset at you. Really, I want to destroy the world. But since I made a covenant with Noah and with all of his children, with all of the, the earth afterwards, that I would not destroy the world. So therefore, instead, I am refraining and I'm reminding you of my vow by showing you the, the rainbow. Therefore, our customers, when you see a rainbow, first of all, you don't tell anyone else that you saw it. You saw the rainbow, it's a sign for you. God is showing you a message. But you know, people post pictures on Facebook and they get the, the rainbow. It's not, a, it's not a good thing. It's a reminder of the fact that you've sinned. Secondly, and more importantly, is that there's a blessing that you're supposed to say when you see the rainbow. It's a long blessing, and if you don't remember by heart, it's in the prayer book on page 87, which is immediately after the morning prayer. There's two pages of blessings. And on page 87, the third blessing is the blessing for a rainbow, which is, Baruch HaTashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Blessed are you, Lord our God, Zocher Habris, who remembers the covenant, and you are faithful to uphold and to keep the words of your covenant, and he keeps his promises. So that's what he's supposed to say when you see the rainbow. That blessed are you, God, who remembers the covenant you made with Noah, you are faithful to keep your covenant, we can trust you that you are steadfast in your word when you promise something, that you will do it, and that is why the world has not been destroyed whoopsies, since that time when God made the covenant with Noah. Okay? That's the point of the rainbow. It's very important to know that. Question. Now, yes, question. Can the world be destroyed by other means than water? Like by fire? Or like I said, the, the ground shall not be cursed, but right now the air is cursed with an airborne virus, right? 
Yeah, but the, the entire world won't be destroyed. It could be part of the world could be destroyed, but it won't destroy the entire world. Could there be other things that will destroy part of the world? Yeah, but nothing will destroy the entire world. Nothing will destroy the entire world. Now, if you'll pay attention, you don't have a chumash in front of you, but I'll point out to you that this covenant is mentioned three times in the following verses. Each time with a slight difference. I'll just point it out. So, in verse 13, okay, so God says, in verse 12, God says, this is the sign of my covenant that I'm making with you and all of the future, not only children of all the animals, the rainbow. Then God says, Eskashti, Nesati Be'am, and I put my rainbow as a in the clouds, and it will be as an os bris, as a sign of the covenant, between me and the earth. So the first aspect of the of the rainbow is a covenant, or the first aspect of the covenant, rather, is a covenant between God and the globe and, and the earth, the world, that the world will not be uh, destroyed ever again, and we can fix it. Then comes 14, uh, verse, sorry, verse 15. You'll see, verse 14, you'll see the rainbow in the sky, you'll remember the covenant. And, verse 15, as we see, you'll remember the covenant that I made, the covenant between me and you. So now it's not a covenant between God and the world, it's a covenant between God and us, man. Noah and the descendants of Noah, humanity. So this will be a covenant between you, between me and you, between all living flesh, etc. There will never be a flood that will destroy all flesh. So there's a flood not to destroy the world. And now you have a promise not to destroy all the flesh, to kill all the people and the creatures that exist on the world. So I'll answer your question, to not destroy all flesh. And then comes verse 16. And then, it's a little repetitive, but it's not repetitive. If you realize that each time is a different covenant, you'll see the keshes, the, the rainbow in the cloud, and you will see it to remember the bris oilam, the eternal covenant, Bain Elohim, between the attribute of God's judgment, between God is making a covenant with himself, the name of Elohim, between all living flesh and all the flesh on the earth, all the animals, etc. So the first covenant is between God and the earth, same between God and man, and the third between God and his own attribute of judgment, his own attribute of shame, Elohim, that even when we deserve to be punished and the attributes of judgment are coming before God saying, look what's going on down there. God has made a covenant between himself not to destroy all the flesh. Clear? Good. Okay. So moving forward, the flood is over, as we already know. And now that it's going back a little bit in the, in the story of the leaving the ark, just to give the context. So the sixth Aliyah starts that the sons of Noah that left the ark were shame and Ham and Yafes. And Ham, or Ham, is the father of Canaan. Now, we're going to learn about all of the children, of all the grandchildren of all three sons soon. Torah is specifying over here that Ham is the father of Canaan because we're going to see in the next few verses a story where Canaan, although not mentioned explicitly, plays a pivotal role in the story. How do we know that he plays a pivotal role? Because the Torah tells us that Ham is the father of Canaan. So by the Torah telling us this, seemingly irrelevant information, which is obviously not irrelevant, is telling you that the reason why Ham did what he did is because he was the father of Canaan. What happened? These three sons come out and they begin to have many, many children that will branch out to fill the whole world, as we'll discuss tomorrow. But Noah has to go plant to start planting. Says the Torah, verse number 20, Vayachel Noah ish ha'adamo. 
And Noah began to become a man of the field, or a master of the field. Now the word Vayachal, he began, when he began to become the master of the field, those were in the Monday night class, we discussed the land. Noah was already a master of the earth. He's the one that invented the plow. He removed the curses on humanity that the earth would give forth thorns and thistles, and instead wheat would grow. So what does it mean that he, became, he began, that Noah began to become a man of the field? Says Rashi, the word Vayachel, the word Chulin, Chol. So you have Mavdub and Kodesh L'Chol, right? You have Kodesh and you have Chol. Chol is mundane or profane. Noah profaned himself. He made himself mundane. How did he profane himself? Because instead of planting wheat or produce or something important for the world or other trees, what did he plant? A vineyard, a fruit of pleasure, a dangerous fruit. And sure enough, he plants his vineyard. He takes the grapes, he makes a good strong wine, and he drinks from the wine by Yishkar, and he becomes drunk. And he's drunk, and he's lying naked in his tent. Gets undressed, he's lying naked. Who sees that he's lying naked? So Ham, the father of Canaan, the Torah again says that the father of Canaan sees, meaning that Canaan, the grandchild, Canaan was the one that actually saw his grandfather naked. And he went to his father to tell his father, ha, 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 Look at grandfather, he's drunk and naked in his tent. Ham comes in, he sees the nakedness of his father. And when he saw the nakedness of his father, Rashi tells us, first he raped his father, and then it got worse, he castrated his father. Why did he do that? He wanted to stop his father from having more children. I don't know, there must be some deviant pleasure in doing that, I guess, I don't know. But he did it. He took away his father's ability to have more children. So when his father wakes up in the morning, oh, so before that, and then he goes outside, and he's very proud of himself. So he tells his two brothers, Shame and Yafis, that are outside, what he had done to his father. I don't know what he's done, but he listens to my, our father is lying drunk and naked in, the, you know, in an embarrassing uh, position. So Shame and Yafis go in together to cover their father. However, even though they're going together, the Torah hints to us by saying, Vayikach, Shame Yafes. And Shem Yafes took. The word took in singular is Vayikach. In plural it would be Vayikhu. So it should have said Vayikhu Shem Yafes. That Shem Yafes together took a, a blanket to cover their father. But it's written in the singular. To tell us that Shem put more, was Shem's idea. And he put in more effort to covering his father than Yafes. And therefore he gets more of the reward. But they're both rewarded. Well, I'll tell you what they did first. So both Shem Yafes take a blanket and they walk in backwards to cover their father. Meaning they walk in, they know their father's lying naked. They walk in backwards, they won't see their father's nakedness. Now, of course, they had to physically look and see where their father is. But they walked in backwards, and they didn't pay attention. They didn't look to see his nakedness, to see his embarrassment. They came in to cover him, and they cover him, his nakedness, with the blanket, and they walk, their face is turned to the side, so they won't see... This, as it says, their, their face was turned to the side. The abomination of the, rather the nakedness of their father, they did not see. So now, as I said, they obviously saw their father, their father's naked. You can't know where to put the blanket if you don't look and see where your father's lying in the tent. So they saw his, their father. But as it explains, when they didn't see their father's nakedness, they didn't see their father as naked. They saw what had to be fixed. They saw where he was lying. They saw what had to be done. They saw, here's where we need to go to put the blanket. But they didn't see it as, as an acknowledgement of the blemish or of the 
failure of their father. They saw it as, this is what we need to do. Here's what we need to put the blanket to cover our father so he won't continue lying naked in his tent any further. Very important lesson. If you see, if you see a blemish in somebody else, what do you see? Do you see it as nakedness? Do you see it as a flaw in them, which is the way Cham saw it? Or do you see it as something that needs to be fixed, which is how shame and Yafet saw it? So they cover their father, and they're rewarded for this later on. What is the reward of shame? Since he bought a blanket to cover his father, he was rewarded with the talis that I'm wearing. He was rewarded the Jews, not him, but his descendants, the Jews, come from shame, were rewarded with the mitzvah of wearing a talis. And Yafes, who also covered his father's nakedness, was rewarded with that his children would be given a proper burial, that they would be buried with dignity, and with respect, they would also be covered. Okay, so they cover their father, and in the morning, Noyach wakes up, I guess after he got over his hangover, and he obviously realizes what happened during the night. And he realized what his youngest son, Hamad, done to him, and he says, Arur Kna'an. Cursed is Kna'an, the son of Ham, the one that had first seen him naked. He will be an Eved Avadim. He will be a, sir, a slave of slaves. He'll be a slave to his father, a slave's slave to his father's brothers, to Shem and to Yafes. And then he blesses Yafes. He says, Yaft Alekim Yafes. He said, Blessed be the God. Sorry, I skipped the verse. Yeah, um, I skipped the verse. Then he blesses Shem and he says, Baruch Hashem Alekesh Shem. Blessed is the God who will favor Shem by giving his descendants the promised land. And Canaan's descendants will be their slaves of shame to pay them tribute. And then he blesses Yefes, Yaft Elikim Le Yefes. Yaftin were beauty. May Hashem expand Yefes materially and give him a lot of beauty to dwell in the tents of the descendants of shame. Okay, and by the way, the first temple was built by Shlomo Melech, who's a descendant of shame. The second temple was built by Dayavish. Uh, who was who a Persian who came from Yafes, and that's for the first one was nicer than the second one. And here we have the, bl- the blessings of shaming blessed Yafes. I don't get on now, but Yafes idea of Persia of, of Greece, beauty in the world and the nations from Yafes, and then Knan being cursed to be a slave to his brothers. That's the story. Okay, yes, any questions? Yeah, I have a-